Let's continue on in prayer as we open up God's word to hear the message today. You know this verse very well. Psalm 23 says, He renews my life and he leads me along the right paths for his name's sake. Take just a second to ask God to renew you. Renew your life. Lord, lead me down the right paths today and do it for your name and your glory. open up our hearts to, to hear your word. Lord, help it to pierce and change and motivate and, and grow and, and let us sprout and, and blossom and bear your fruit in our lives. Lord, help me to preach it in such a way that it does not return void. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Several years ago, when Jessica and I first got married, we took a cruise. And it wasn't a long cruise, a Caribbean cruise, maybe a four-night cruise, but we did do some shore excursions. So we had a lot of selections you could choose from, and there was one in particular that I was interested in doing. I wanted to do, out of the three that we could choose from, I wanted to do at least one out of the three. Uh, go do some, some history stuff. So I like learning history. Um, there was one where you could go see the real deal Mayan ruins, um, but you kind of had to take a long bus trip to get there. So we elected to do a shorter trip, and it was um, a horseback tour. You would ride horseback, and then you would go to this cave where it said there would be authentic Mayan ruins. So we ride these horses, we, we get to this cave, and the whole time the tour guide is insisting these are Mayan ruins um, that we're about to see. So he, he explains when we get to the cave that the Mayans played this game that was similar to our modern day soccer. Only difference was at the end of the game, the losing team would get killed by the winning team. So no big deal there. We went deeper into the cave, and there were these statues, um, about three feet tall. Uh, pretty cool, but not really what I was expecting. But still, the guy continued to insist that these were real Mayan ruins that had been there for hundreds, if not a couple thousand years. Um, but the one thing he asked from us was not to touch these ruins. So he did his spiel and then exited the cave. Some of the people lingered behind as he made his way out. And one of the guys on the tour decided to give one of these statues just a little tap. And when he did, it did not sound like 
stone, it sounded like hollowed out plastic. <laughs> so, so much for real Mayan ruins. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 is the most, one of the most recognizable verses in the New Testament. Probably many of you have this memorized. Now, faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. So real faith isn't hollowed out or fake. Real faith, real faith has substance to it. Real faith is when someone trusts in God's word, even though they don't see it, they believe in an unseen God to carry out his promises, no matter what the circumstances of their life may be showing them by, by sight. Faith is the ability to, to see and perceive the unseen things and then not just to know them, but then to step out in action and actually to believe in God that he's going to be faithful. Actions are the evidence of faith, of true real deal faith in somebody. Now, Noah was a, a man of faith. He was a man who believed in God, that God was going to do exactly what God told Noah that he was going to do. He's one of the Old Testament heroes of the faith that's listed in what we call the Hall of Faith. In Hebrews chapter 11, the writer of the Hebrews has, has some stuff to tell us about Noah. By faith, Noah, after he was warned about what was not yet seen and motivated by, by godly fear, built an ark to deliver his family. By faith, he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness that comes by faith. So, Noah proves to everyone that he had saving faith in, in Yahweh God because he built, he acted on, on what God had told him. He built this massive boat, the, the ark, even though no one at this time had seen that much rain before. He didn't live near an ocean. He trusted in God to do what only God can do, and he acted on it. He, he banked on God's word when God told Noah to do a certain thing. Noah's obedience saved him. It saved his family. It would save the animals. Save it him. would it provide a family. way that the human race could continue save the animals after save the flood. It would a way because it would say that God Genesis 6, 9, and we're going to down to verse 
inside and outside. This is how you're to make it. The ark will be 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and 40 feet high. You are to make a roof, finishing the sides of the ark within 18 inches of the roof. You are to put a door in the side of the ark, make it with lower, middle, and upper decks. Understand that I am bringing a flood. Flood waters on the earth to destroy every creature under heaven with the breath of life in it. Everything on earth will perish, but I will establish my covenant with you, and you will enter the ark with your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives. You are also to bring into the ark two of all the living creatures, male and female, to keep them alive with you. Two of everything. From the birds, according to their kinds, from the livestock, according to their kinds, and from the animals that crawl on the ground, according to their kinds, will come to you so that you can keep them alive. Take with you every kind of food that is eaten. Gather it as food for you and for them. And Noah did this. He did everything God had commanded him. This is God's holy word. So we don't know exactly when Noah's faith began. When did Noah begin to have faith in his unseen God? Did he have like a conversion story like we like to call it today? Or did his faith grow gradually? Whatever the case is, we know that Noah was a man of exceptional faith, especially in his generation. As we've just heard over and over again throughout this chapter, Noah was going against the current of his culture. There was no one who was living for God on the face of the earth. Noah was a no one who Noah was living was for God continuing on the face to of obey earth. God's rules Noah and, and commands. Was a no live a righteous life was continuing while to obey everyone around him and, and commands. Everyone around him off of God's Last week from earlier in the chapter, how in verse eight it reads, Noah found favor with God. And if there's any clue to the origins of his faith, it is, it is that one. The word favor, you could, you could insert the word grace. Noah found grace with God. So no matter the origins of Noah's faith, we know this. It's the same as us. We're saved by grace through faith. Noah was a great man, but Noah was not a sinless man. There's not been one sinless man who has walked the face of the earth except for one, and we know who he is. Noah was saved by grace through faith. The origins of his faith 
start with the grace of God, and it's the same thing with us. We find favor with God. That's how we place our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ for our salvation. We know God was active in Noah's life. God was active in Noah's life for a purpose. He was active in Noah's life to create faith in his heart so that he would be a man who would have faith, who would step out in obedience and do exactly what God trusting in the unseen realities of God. And what's so impressive about Noah's faith was this act, this act that he hadn't even seen this much water. No one had. And if you go back earlier in Genesis, it, it says that God used to water in the garden with, with mist. Somehow he was coming up. There is no even mention of rain up until this point in the Bible. So it's, it's unclear if, if God had even sent rain on the earth, much less a massive flood. But when Noah heard the call of God, he acted. He stepped out in obedience. Verse 22 tells us he did everything that God had commanded him. He didn't question God. He didn't ask God for some type of proof or evidence of his faithfulness. He knew God. He knew God's faithfulness, and he acted. His actions prove his faith in an unseen God. And then the ark itself. This ark was, was massive. People were living longer lifespans at, at this time, so it would have taken decades for Noah and his sons to build the ark, 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and 45 feet high. The size of a small cargo ship today. As far as its design, as interesting as it may be, I don't think the point of this, of this passage is for us to really speculate or to have certainty exactly what it looked like, because we're not given specific details here. We're just told about the ark, and the emphasis is on God's saving work through Noah's faith in building the ark. And can you imagine how Noah's neighbors reacted to him building this ark out in the middle of nowhere? Can you imagine the names that he got called? Can you imagine how they, they mocked him and, and laughed at him for doing this? Yet Noah stayed true. He, he was a righteous man. He was going to do what God told him to do no matter what his neighbors were saying about him. Second Peter chapter 2 tells us a little bit about his reaction to the people around him. It, it tells us there, if God didn't spare the ancient world but protected Noah, a preacher of, of righteousness, and seven others when he brought the flood on the world of the ungodly. So Noah, he was not only a builder, he was a preacher. His faith led him to warn others about the coming flood. 
to tell them about how they can be saved, to tell them about how great God is and how worthy he is to be trusted and believed in. Unfortunately, nobody listened to him. Will we listen today? Will we hear God speaking to us today in his word? Will we trust in the unseen realities of God and, and step out in faith in following Christ? If our actions are the proof and the evidence of a real and genuine faith in Christ, then we have a problem, at least in our thinking. For too long, we thought of salvation solely as an event rather than a journey with Jesus Christ. Now, before I create confusion, let me explain what I mean. Salvation isn't only an event. It's a journey with Jesus Christ. If someone finds, if someone trusts in Christ, if someone places their faith in Jesus Christ, to be sure, there was a point in time when they did that and they were saved. That is an event, you could say. That is the start of the journey of faith, Jesus Christ, not the end of faith in Jesus Christ. What I mean when I say we have a problem thinking of salvation solely as an event is for too long we've thought of being saved, at least in our tradition, is just you come and pray a prayer. You meet the pastor in the front of the church. You, you become a church member. You go through this initiation event or, or baptism. And while baptism is so important, it, it's a step of faith and obedience after we trust in Christ for our salvation. It does not save us. Jesus instead speaks of saving faith as a journey with him, one in which we're walking as pilgrims following Christ through this world. And again, I repeat, there is a time when this journey starts, but it's a journey nonetheless of, of faith in Christ. You could say, that is an event when it starts, but that is just where the journey begins. Jesus put it like this. He said, if anyone wants to come after me, and he wants to enter into a relationship with me, he must first deny himself, take up his cross, and then follow me. Continually, Jesus was describing the life of faith, the life of, of, of a person of saving faith as following him. That was his main message to people. How do we accept the gift of salvation? Jesus says, come and follow me. Trust in me and evidence your faith through your actions of following me. So there you, you have faith, and then out of the faith comes the walk, comes the, the following Christ continually. It's not just pray a prayer and then for the rest of your life continue to be your own master. 
No, it's, it's trusting in Christ, letting him be your Lord and master of all. Going back to Noah, Noah's actions of obedience proved he really had faith in an unseen God. And it's the same for us. If you're really, truly a follower of Jesus Christ, there's an obedience that proves your faith in him. There was a, a Christian singer back in the 90s named Rich Mullins. He once had a song called Screen Door where the lyrics went like this. It's about as useless as a screen door on a submarine, faith without works. It just ain't happening. One is your left hand and one is your right. It'll take two strong arms to hold on tight. You see, Christianity is a show-and-tell faith. Our faith in our works are one coin, two sides of one coin. With salvation, faith is the root. Obedience is the fruit of salvation. What produces the fruit of obedience is rootedness in Jesus Christ by faith. Let me repeat that again because that's important. What produces the fruit of obedience in our lives is rootedness in Jesus Christ by faith. So the answer is not trying to work hard and do better to try to prove something, that you have something. No, the answer is to come back to Christ, to look at him, to trust in him, to walk with him, to understand that salvation isn't just knowing some facts or agreeing to some facts about God. It's knowing a person. It's knowing Christ and growing in Christ and and walking with Christ through this life following him, obeying him. Hebrews chapter 12 says this, Therefore, since we have also such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us and let us run the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith. He's the originator of our faith, but he's also the perfecter of our faith. As we follow him, as we run the race, we're we're following him. This is a life of faith, the source and the perfecter of our faith. I want you to think about that this morning. Have you started the life of faith in Christ? Have you ever reached a point in your life where you've turned your life over to Christ? Where you've said, God, I can't do this on my own. I can't save myself. I trust in Jesus Christ and 
what he did for me on a cross to, to die for me and then to rise again for me. I need this new life. I need your forgiveness. I need your grace. And I need it every single day. I don't think it can be emphasized enough that this is about a relationship with Christ. This isn't just knowing about Christ, it's believing in Christ. And then it's following him the rest of your life. So maybe that's you this morning. Maybe this needs to be your beginning. When you turn your life over to Christ. But maybe you have been walking with Christ. But maybe your walk hasn't been as strong as it once was. Maybe you've got off the road of following Christ. Maybe you've stumbled and, and you've fallen. The old word that people used to use this is, is backslid. Maybe you just aren't where you need to be with the Lord. Maybe you've let distractions and sins take you away. And, and again, you've kind of gone off the path with Christ. Well, Maybe today you need to get back on the path with Christ. And maybe it won't be as easy as just that, just saying it. Maybe it'll be a long way to get back to where you need to be. But maybe you need to start that process this morning of getting back with Christ. As Christians, we're still going to sin. We're this side of glory, we're never going to be sinless. I look forward to a day in Christ's presence when I'll never sin again. It's what the Bible calls glorified, and that's where we're headed in eternity, outside of sin's presence whatsoever. But this side of glory, we're new in Christ, but there's very much an old us that still is within, trying to pull us down and drag us away. As Christians, we're still going to sin. We're not sinless, but as we walk with Christ, follow him, we're going to begin to sin less in our lives. And that's what God wants. God wants to be close to you. God wants intimacy with you remember salvation it's a journey with christ we're justified we're made right the moment we receive christ by faith but that's not where things end that's just the beginning of our journey with christ and there could be another problem here today noah he got a lot of pressure from the people around him. And I'm just assuming this, but I think it's a, a, a estimated good guess to assume that he got this type of pressure based on what we've heard from him this morning, from the word about him. He was living this righteous life when the whole generation around him was not living this righteous life. We live in a really a, a small community where everybody knows everybody. It's a very real temptation for us to want to fit in, to not want to be looked on as different. 
It's hard to take a stand for Christ. It's hard to be a standout for Christ. Noah was rewarded for his bold stand. You will be too. If you walk in the same way that he walked, live in a righteous life. Maybe that's what you need to focus on this morning. Maybe there's a specific call that God has placed on your heart today. Something that he wants you to do. Like for Noah, his faith response was building a boat. What is God calling you to do today? Has God laid something specific on your heart this morning? Whatever it is, the proof of our faith in an unseen God is our actions. Our actions speak louder than our words. It's stepping out and being obedient just like Noah did. The book of James chapter 2 verse 26 says that just as the body is lifeless without the soul, so is faith without works. So we can talk about our faith all we want, but if it's only talk, then we're lifeless. God wants a vital faith to be shown in us. He wants us to step out and to do based on what he is commanding us and calling us to do. And that's where the rubber meets the road as far as faith. Let's go to him in prayer. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would help us to, to trust, to start with Christ, to go back to him again and again and again, to receive his mercy and grace and power. And then through that, Lord, help us to walk and obey and to do as you have called us to do. Lord, speak very specifically to each one of us about what you're asking our response to be to you today and help us not to fail to do it. Help us to be obedient, Lord God. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray, amen. Will you stand and, and will you step out and follow God as he's leading you to do? Amen.